Hi, I'm Kevin Alvis with Big Talk Podcasts. I believe that everyone needs to treat themselves for a job well done. Whether it's surviving a workday jam-packed with mind-numbing meetings or that five-mile bike ride down the lake with your friends, nothing says, I fucking crushed this like a delicious cold beer. And there's no finer place to treat yourself than Chicago's northernmost taproom, Howard Street Brewing. Just steps from the Howard Street Red Line, Howard Street Brewing offers a cozy 37-seat taproom that's perfect for catching up with old friends or making some new ones. And don't let their one-barrel system fool you. It's perfectly pumping out a rotating menu of amazing beers like Rogers Proud Pale Ale, the Better Late Than Never Pilsner, and the This Is What Happens Larry Belgian Saison. Not sure what to try? Get a flight. Try them all. Like that beer and want some for the after party? Grab a few growlers for the road. You want some sweet merch with your beers? They've got hats and t-shirts ready for you too. So if you're in Chicago or planning a trip to Chicago, be sure to check out Howard Street Brewing. Open Tuesday through Sunday. No cash, cards only. Oh, and did I mention that there's entertainment every Tuesday night and trivia every Wednesday night? Oh, 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 and did I mention that you can have food from all the local spots delivered right to your table? Oh, 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 and did I mention that they're pet friendly? This place is the shit. So check out Howard Street Brewing, located at 1617 West Howard Street in Chicago and at howardstreetbrewing.com. Be sure to tell them Big Talk sent ya. Dylan and I have been friends for about 20 years. We went to high school together, we went to college together, we moved to Chicago, we got married, we had kids. Well, not with each other, we have separate families, but now we get together and we talk about what those kids are watching. Pooh Bear is, as he says in the song, short and fat and proud of that. (laughs) Okay, I mean, I can get behind the positive body message, I suppose. He was the Lizzo of his time. Everybody's got a little thing to say about the stuff they love. Pop culture, Rebel and Amanda are gonna teach their dads, Phil and Dylan, if they're willing. If they're willing to. Hop on, pop culture. Hop on, pop culture. Hop on, pop culture now. A couple old friends are gonna ask their kids about books and movies. And TV shows, and those two guys might open their eyes and see it's all just a big surprise. They're gonna hop on, pop culture. They're gonna hop on, pop culture. Hop on, pop culture now. I've just been guessing at what you've been saying so far, so I hope I got it all right. I've just been mostly going burp, burp, burp. I have to look up something. Burp, burp, burp. Burp, burp, burp. I have to look up something. My digestive tract is telling me I require information. (laughs) So here's a segue. Ready for this? Uh Speaking of poo. Oh. Well done. Thank you. Well done. We're going to talk about poo tonight. Not poo as in poop, but poo as in Winnie the Pooh. Poo bear. Yeah. I actually don't know much about Winnie the Pooh. Oh, I know it's a big franchise. I know that Disney has a specific copyright on the red shirt, no pants. That's you recognize them from a mile away, Pooh. But recently, the public domain came up for every other design. So now we have like a Pooh horror movie, and one has to assume Winnie the Pooh furry illustrations. Oh, I'm I'm sure that exists already. Apparently, that's no. Apparently, that's a big market for independent illustrators. Is, oh, really? Is the um, furry yeah, scene? 
Yeah, because they want they want the content and there no one mainstream is making that kind of content that they're looking for. So they go on something like Fiverr and they hire out uh you know independent artists and illustrator and they're like, hey, how much would it be to draw this? There's a there are artists who make their entire living, yeah, drawing furry pictures for I haven't even thought about furries. That. It's a whole cottage industry. And you know it's a cottage industry because it's surrounded by wolves. So, all right. So you don't know much about Pooh Bear at all then. You no. you, you know the the most recent developments. No, well, I have not I don't follow Winnie the Pooh news. I don't have a news <laughs> I don't have a Google News alert set up for Winnie the Pooh to ting me every time there's well, here's a the thing. controversy. I I kind of do now because, you know, Google knows everything that I look up and I've had to look up Winnie the Pooh for my son before because he's obsessed with it, which for me is pretty ironic because apparently I was obsessed with Winnie the Pooh when I was a kid. And I remember as I'm rewatching stuff with him, I'm remembering it from when I was his age too. Did you did you introduce him to it or did he come of it of his own? So part of it was it was a combo of two things. My parents gave him a stuffed Winnie the Pooh doll that he liked right away. The second thing was he so he's a big reader. He loves books. Wait, so wait, wait, wait. Your parents, his My grandparents parents, on your grand- side exactly. gave him a Winnie the Pooh doll. Correct. And you were into Winnie the Pooh as a kid. Correct. So we have a common source here. The reason that he's, he didn't come of it of its own, he came of it the same way you did. Your parents gave him Winnie the Pooh. It's a gateway doll. Well, possibly. But the exception being that I just liked the movie right away. That was my whole thing. Or the, now, is there, the like, is there like a standard Winnie the Pooh movie? Is it? Is there like... Tell me about how I don't know I don't I don't even know how the franchise is structured. It's I know it started off as books because everything started off as a book and then became animated eventually. So I did a lot of research into this because I've I've read the books before. I know the two books and all the stories, but I didn't know a lot about the history of the author or anything and and the history. Who is of how... the author? Who is the mind behind Winnie the Pooh? Winnie the Pooh was written by A. A. Milne in the 1920s specifically i believe the first book was published in 1926 okay so post-world war one right in the roaring 20s age so what we know was a new bear at the london zoo and the author's son loved that bear and then named a stuffed bear after it so that's, that's I mean that's why, that's nice, right? Yeah. So the bear at the yeah. London Zoo was called Pooh. The stuffed bear became Pooh Bear, and the author, who was actually a very popular author at the time, he had written a, a mystery novel that had gotten a lot of traction and was famous for his short stories. So he started writing these Winnie the Pooh stories and came up with the characters that Winnie the Pooh still has for the most part, which. So like right out of the gate, the starting right out of the gate, the seven of Winnie the Pooh, the seven of 100 acre woods were assembled nearly immediately. I got to count real quick. One, two, three, four. I was referencing the boys. That's what I've been watching. I'm not watching my little pony right right now. I, I still have. I'm one episode away from finishing the whole thing. The whole thing. We're still midway season three. It's uh, I yeah. It's they did insane. a recap, and I'm like, oh, this must be the finale because of the sheer amount of right? gore that they showed. And the last time there was nope, a season nope, finale nope. episode before, the recap was just gore, 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 gore. Exactly. Literally their greatest hits. 
So I thought, oh, this has to be it. And I'm like, it's only been three episodes. How is there more gore in three episodes so much more than in gore. two full seasons? You have no idea what you're you have no idea what you're in for with that. That's gonna be a crazy thing. So I have right. a bad habit where if I get really into something like the boys, I'll like, oh, I wanna like I know I can't I have to wait to watch it with my wife. Well, I'm gonna go on Google. I'm just gonna look and see what happens to this one character because just wants to see what happens to this one character, and then I wind up watching it. And I know stuff in advance, and I'm like, oh, okay, do I stay silent or do I like act like, oh, I bet this will happen, and then I get imaginary points for predicting the plot, the plot of what's gonna happen. Yeah, you could also say that you read the book too, the graphic novel that it's based on. So A. A. Milne. So A. A. Milne writes this book with Pooh Bear, who is based on his son's stuffed bear that was named after a bear at the zoo the characters in the story that were based off other stuffed animals were piglet eeyore kanga Roo, and tigger and then owl he made up off the top of his head and rabbit was the same way so you can kind of tell that like owl and rabbit are the only two characters that don't have a name and it's because they're the ones that the author made up and didn't actually have a name in his son's collection. I didn't know that. I also wondered why, knowing that Pooh was supposed to be a stuffed bear, why he was hanging out with a real owl. Well, they're all supposed to be stuffed, I think. It's never really said, outside of the fact that these are Christopher Robin's toys and blah, blah, So they're blah, all his toys. So it's supposed to be like, toys. yeah, okay, exactly. I'm only familiar with that one version of the cartoon, you know, with the ubiquitous visuals. Oh, absolutely. And I, yeah never really sat down and watched it it was never winnie the pooh was never a big thing in our house and it's it's a weird thing now that you mentioned that i haven't really thought about that before but like looking at the story there's really only two characters that are stuffed and that's winnie the pooh and eeyore because eeyore keeps getting a nail stuck in his but yeah he has a detachable tail yes, right exactly is, is the nail just... supposed to keep it in or exactly the nail's supposed to keep it in so like it's just attack like pin the tail yeah. on the donkey absolutely that's what but he's stuffed like what the, what is the nail supposed to grip into exactly that's why it keeps falling out <sighs> but there's no other acknowledgement in rest of the movies that anybody else is stuffed they all seem like real animals so Everyone, everyone seems real. Eeyore even seems real-ish with the floppy feet. He's yeah, animated exactly. the same way. But his tail is detachable, and that's the only real clue. Because the peril is real if they're ever in peril, Yeah, right? exactly. The stakes have to be genuine. Absolutely. But that's kind of where the Disney situation gets a little confusing with this one. Okay, so, but pre-Disney, A.A. A. Milne writes a book about a stuffed animal that is named after a bear that lived in a zoo in London? Correct, yes. So this entire, the Hundred Acre Woods is in England. So 1926, the first book is published, Wayne the Pooh. And it's a collection of short stories that A.A. Milne had written up to that point that were published in various newspapers and magazines in London. And then- So uh, an anthology yes, of his an anthology. various works exactly. collected together for the first time in this one volume. You too can own a piece of history. That's right. Well, side note, real quick, that the original dolls, the re- original Winnie the Pooh dolls are all... That belong to A.A. Milne's child? Yes, they are in the bottom of the New York Public Library right now on display. So you can go to oh, the cool. public library and go see the original Winnie the Pooh and Tigger and Piglet and... Well, not right away. I mean, well, I that's mean, in New York. If you were not... In New York. If you live in New York and you can afford to take the time off and brave exactly. the, the public library. You know, plague of the world yeah. and... 
Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> okay. So, so wait, was uh, was A. A. Milne's son named Robin? Christopher Robin Milne was his name. Okay, so, so Christopher, Christopher Robin, Robin, an actual is, person, is an actual person. Oh, I have questions, but they're too far ahead. Yeah. So, yeah, because this this gets crazy. This this is where stuff starts to really kind of go off the rails for me a little bit. So he wrote a sequel in 1928, The House at Pooh Corner, and that was even more pop popular than the original, and they were all very popular right away. So much so that in 1930. A guy named Stephen Schlesinger, Schlesing, Schlesinger, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but he purchased the rights to Pooh Bear for the U.S. and Canadian markets for merchandising, television, recording, and other trade rights. So he has nothing to do with Disney at all. He was just a, a literary agent and an actor's agent. And, and saw- he bought the rights to produce and distribute Winnie the Pooh. Yep. In, you said North America and where else? Mexico, Panama? Yes, potentially. I don't know. Chile, Belize, and Peru? I'm just going based off a little bit of research I did from Wikipedia. That's all this That's all this podcast is, is we glanced at Wikipedia and the rest of it is just a gut feeling. Yeah, exactly. Go, for, with, go with, with it. With commentary throughout. Right. <laughs> so the thing that was interesting, though, is that this agreement that he came up with, the Milne family, was the first licensing agreement in history wait like ever ever like like the first ever like licensed character for anything was winnie the pooh correct that's awesome that's so cool okay aided the licensing industry what a uniquely american thing it is it is right (laughs) look at this instantly beloved children's icon based upon my child stuffed toys named after the animals they loved looking at at the zoo yeah hmm Hmm. uh, who wants to pay hmm. to make these things that's right i mean he was in england but he was selling it to an american right exactly okay so this and I actually have the numbers for the for the deal that he made too. Oh, let's is, hear okay, him. Let's hear the numbers. I have no idea. I know nothing about licensing. I don't know if this is a good deal or a bad deal. One thousand dollars in advance in nineteen thirty. Okay, a bunch of money in nineteen thirty. And sixty cents, sixty six percent of Schlesinger's income, current income. Wait, Schlesinger is the guy who bought it. So he gave him a thousand dollars up front. And then two thirds of his, of his entire like yearly salary. Correct. That was the deal. Wow. Yeah. He must have really believed in Winnie the Pooh. Well, and here's the kicker that one year later, by 1931, Pooh was worth $500 million in 1930. 500, wait, 500 million in 19? Are you kidding or me? 50, 50 million, million. 50 million. I added a zero. Okay, I was about I to say, zero, yeah, still, I'm glad. We might glance at Wikipedia, but if we get it egregiously wrong, we'll glance a second time. Okay, well, $50 still $50 million, million dollars in 1930. Which could be Dang. $500 million. I don't know math. I can't do this. But it, insanity, right? It might as well be, right? Even today, fifty million to you and me, $50 million might as well be $500 million. Exactly. So this guy had the bright idea to take this beloved children's story. And this is five years after the first book came out i mean this is no time at all for this to happen so in the span of five years he publishes the first winnie the pooh book second one it instantly gets it instantly just takes off makes a second one it's even more popular than the first one as schlesinger rolls in buys the rights to produce it internationally in america Mm -hmm. and canada for two-thirds of his yearly salary plus a thousand dollars on top of that and a year later 
it was worth $50 million and both of them are sharing in yes. that? Dang, that's nice. Okay. Crazy, right? So it it was a whole thing. This is what Schlesinger did with this is that he was the first person to create the idea of Sunday morning cartoons. He wanted to- Wait, in 1930? Wait, 19, what year? Was we 1930, 1935? We're still, we're still, 1931? We're still at the beginning of the 1930s. Yeah. And he wants to do an animate. Has Steamboat Mickey already happened? No. When was Steve? When was? I'm going to look. The, I'll, you, you talk. I'll look that one up. He has no way to actually go about doing this until the mid 1940s. But he had the idea all the way back when Pooh was still in its early stages. Steamboat Willie was animated in 1928. Ooh, okay, so three years after that, he has this idea. Yeah. But okay, still. so animation is a thing, but he sees potential in it for winning exactly. the Pooh specifically. And for a specific time block during a day where it would play, which is Sunday morning. Sunday morning. That's interesting because you would assume... That you would assume that the that the that the Venn diagram of churchgoers and Winnie the Pooh fans would be nearly. You would a think so, especially back then. But it could also be that what is Sunday morning? It's probably not pre-church, especially back then. If you're going to church at like seven a.m., you know, by the time you get home, have some Winnie the Pooh on, so you can have some breakfast and decompress from church time. So this is a post. This is a post-church that, that experience. That is my guess, but I really have no idea what is meant. Like, by... like you just you just had a long morning at church. Why don't you come on Watch home, put your feet up, drink another cup yeah. of coffee, and have your kids stare at the cartoons on the TV? You know, I that reminds me a bit of my childhood because we were brought up. You know, you and I grew up in Appleton, up in Wisconsin, and uh, I attended a Lutheran church. And the pastors always made a point of when the Packers had a home game uh, at noon, they made sure that uh, their sermons were much shorter on those days so that everyone could get back to that a television right. to go watch that the game. About right. I appreciated that. I really no, did. I, I would too. But yeah, I, that's my assumption, though. I really have no idea what is meant by Sunday morning cartoons at that point. It's it's a new idea, you know, not just the idea of animation, but the idea of, like I said, this block of time. It's just crazy. So the first time that Winnie the Pooh officially appeared in color was in 1932. And that is when he was first drawn with the red shirt that became Disney's trademark. So the Disney trademark Pooh is from 1932. Originally from 1932, way before Disney bought the rights to Pooh Bear. But up until that point, the seven years since Pooh had originally been written, no red shirt at all. Like all the original illustrations in the book no red shirt, and I don't even think Piglet is wearing a shirt. Just, just, just buck naked. naked. Just yeah. wait. Is that a shirt? Is Piglet yeah, wearing a it's, shirt? It's like a romper thing. I always assumed that Piglet was naked, the and that were like those lines, just something on his body, like a ham, like a strung up ham oh, at a that, deli. That could be actually. Like I thought it was. I thought he. I thought he was just supposed to look like a baked ham or something like that. I didn't think it was a shirt. No sleeves, no shorts. Yeah, so like I'm just thinking about just limbs, now. just pink because limbs sticking out of right, this little. You know, right before we started this, ham body. I was watching Pooh Bear, which I do. Ooh, imagine, imagine a piglet ham with a honey glaze, some carrots on the side, an owl pellet aperitif. Not everyone has to contribute to this meal, owl. 
<laughs> Earlier tonight, I was watching Winnie the Pooh with my son, with Mal, because we do that every night before bed, because we ask him what he wants to watch, and it's always Pooh Bear. Aww. But the one we were watching tonight was Piglet's Grand Adventure, I think that one is called. And in it, at one point, Kanga is, this is totally out of context, So, but go with me. Kanga is like wiping Piglet down with a towel, and his entire body just gets poofy. Like, like the shirt is made out of fur? Yeah, exactly. So now it's making me think that that's not a shirt, unless it's like a mesh shirt and all the fur is poking out. But it must be something else. First time Pooh appears in colors, 1932. And at that point, he was drawn by Schlesinger rather than the original artist, who I forget his name offhand. But Schlesinger drew him in a red shirt for the first time. And the red shirt, the first picture of Pooh in this red shirt is actually on a record that uh, he recorded huh. of Pooh Bear singing because Schlesinger recorded songs. it. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't think he was the voice behind Pooh Bear. I assume he's a producer, but, so he probably wouldn't be the yeah, one singing, but exactly. But you know, did the voice of features... Pooh Bear, and this is from 1935, you said. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's a it's a record from 1935 of songs being sung by Winnie the Pooh. It's the first time he's in his red shirt. Does he sound have you listened to it? I haven't listened to it. I haven't been able to find it. It would be interesting if we could listen to that to see if he sounds anything like the Pooh of today. Well, my guess is no, because I do have an early Disney record from before it became an actual movie. And the Pooh Bear on that record doesn't sound anything like the Pooh Bears of the future. What does he sound like? More like a man. (laughs) Oh, bother. I'm out of honey. What day is it, Piglet? Ah, that's my favorite day. Yeah. Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Winnie Pooh. The Pooh. Young Christopher Robinson had a doll and now he's rich. He just more sounds like, hey, hey, I'm Pooh Bear. Hey. <laughs> like the guy wasn't trying. Like, he wasn't trying very hard to find a character. No, he wasn't. It was, it was very clearly a voice actor. It was, was like early days in the industry, I, I what, imagine. What do, you, what do you want to, you want me to play a bear? You want me to play a bear? Um, sure. All right, here we go. I'm a bear. That sounds a little hey, like Yogi now. Yeah, a little, it's hey, a little Yogi. Boo, boo, boo. Hey, a little Yogi. Yeah, it's. I I don't know how else to describe it besides the fact that it sounds like it just sounds like a man. It sounds like a guy who's just reading Pooh Bear for the first that time. That might have been it. I mean, if you didn't have it, could, yeah, it very well could be. So when when does he when when does uh, what, what what comes next? So he he gets the red shirt in 1935. What's next for uh, Pooh? 1932. He gets the red shirt. 1932. He gets the red shirt. What's next for Pooh after that? So after that, they introduced a Winnie the Pooh game through Parker Brothers. Okay. In 1933. All right. How do they, how do you make Winnie the Pooh competitive? I have no idea. I've also tried to find the rules for this game online, and I could not find it anywhere. Have you seen a picture? Can you describe it? No, I haven't seen a picture of it. Like, is there a description of it on the Wikipedia? There is not. Wow. Okay. So they released a game, but no one remembers it, and the internet doesn't have a record of it. I'm sure somewhere out there in some attic of some American house, excuse me, in some American house, there is a Winnie the Pooh game. But after that, we also get the Winnie the Pooh 
toy for the first time, the first plush doll, which was in the 1940s. Now, was the plush doll based on the 1932 red shirt or was it? It is. It is. So it's not based on the initial one, which is displayed in the basement of the New York City Library, one of those? Yes. Yes, the New York City Public Library. And in fact, it is, the, so the original illustrations look like the original stuffed bear. When Schlesinger drew it for the first time with the red shirt, he changed the look of Pooh Bear. So all the toys since then look like the 1932 mm. drawing with the red shirt, where Pooh Bear is, as he says in the song, short and fat and proud of that. <laughs> okay, I mean... I can get behind the positive body message, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. He was the Lizzo of his time. That's right. That's right. Short and fat and proud. I don't know if that. she's short. So after the after the album, after the album and Parker Brothers makes a game using the Winnie the Pooh IP, uh, what, what happens uh, next? What comes next for? Because I believe that there was a world war that happens shortly yes. in the uh, IRL of the past. What happens next is Pooh Bear just remains popular. There's the game out there. There is the stuffed animals out there for the first time. And then after the World War, 1953, this guy Schlesinger dies. And his wife, Shirley Schlesinger Loswell, continues to develop the character into various mediums on her own after her husband's death. In 1961, is when she decides to license the rights to Disney in exchange for royalties for the first two movies. This is uh, 1961, right? 1961. 1961. So in 1961, Slushinger's Widow takes over the development of the character, but instead of like making more and adding it, she's like, hey, Disney can make more. Disney can add on to it and all... All she gets in return for that is the royalties from the first two movies that Disney is going to make. Royalty. So this is the exact sentence. And maybe you can help me parse this okay. out. It's in exchange for royalties in the first of two. Ah, uh, no, I got it. I figured it out on my own. Okay. <laughs> so the royalties, it's not about the films. It's just that she gets royalties based on every product, but she renegotiated it twice in her history with Disney. Okay. So 1953, she takes over, continues to do her own thing, whatever that is, with Pooh Bear until 1961. And then that's when she sells it to, to Disney. And in addition, at that time, in order for Disney to make the movie, they also have to buy, they have to license rights from the family who still owns, from the Milne family, who still owns part of the Winnie the Pooh story as well. The so Disney gets the rights. Disney gets the rights that Schlesinger bought for Winnie the Pooh, but they also in addition to having Schlesinger's rights, they also need the permission from AA um, Milne. The original author. Is AA Milne still around at that time or is it just his estate at that point? It is also his wife. Oh, okay. So it's the wives of the two of them which is kind of interesting. It's Daphne Milne and Shirley Schlesinger Laswell who sell the rights to Disney. And this is kind of what I found out about the agreement, how that agreement sorted out is, or the original agreement is that the Schlesinger estate would get all the money from all the various products and stuff that Disney would make from oh. it. But the Milne estate would get their rights based on the motion pictures. 
fascinating. Okay, so Milne gets now pause a second and ask yourself, you're presented with this deal, Dylan. You can have the royalties from all of the poo products, the toys, mm-hmm. the shirts, the applesauce, what have you, or the movies. Which one do you think is going to be the sweeter deal? So, I mean, thinking about it with a modern eye, I I would honestly, I'd probably pick the movies at this point. Um, really? But pre, pre-streaming, 100% the products. But with streaming now, because especially now that Disney is, is about to lose some of the royalties, like any movie that has poo in it, the family could potentially still get paid for. Oh, Okay, well now, but there's no way that they but could there's have no seen way that coming from so far ago. And hasn't Disney been hasn't Disney been manipulating copyright law in order to oh, maintain absolutely. their ironclad hold over both Mickey Mouse and Winnie the Pooh? I could almost guarantee that that is the case. That's when Disney takes over. It's 1961 officially. So Disney takes over all the products. They begin to start making a movie. All right, so 1961, Disney takes over. They have to buy the rights from both Schlesinger and the Milne families. And the Milne family. So those two families benefit the Milne family, who uh, the patriarch AA, Mm -hmm. Alcoholics Anonymous Milne. He has died, and they now the family is going to be getting the money from the rights to the first two films that Disney's going to make, or all of them? I think it's all of them. I would hope it would be all of them. <laughs> like, oh, we're going to pay you for two movies with this character, and then we're going to keep the character to forever. That at, at that point, Disney didn't do sequels either. This was the 22nd animated movie Disney had done, and there was no sequels before this, even for a while after this. I mean, it was until I think The Rescue is Down Under 2 was the first sequel so for Disney. Did, did, who, did no one anticipate that they would just make a bunch of different poo films. Is there a poo continuity? Is there a contipuity to all this? Like, is there an MC poo? Kind of, maybe. I don't know. It depends. Is on there? The is there it's canon? Like, a lot of like it, what? It, like, it did what happen in Piglet's Grand Adventure impact the events of the Infinity Comb? Kind of, except with all of them, they're supposed to be standalone things. Like that's the whole idea behind them. Is that each story within each poo product is its own standalone okay so does the do they affect each other yes because tigger is introduced for the first time oh well okay that's, yeah a character introduction that's big yeah they'll mention for instance there is one of the original stories where Pooh bear discovers the north pole so then they'll mention later on yeah it's that's actually a pretty good one um, he discovers but, the north pole how far did he thing. walk did he the whole thing is they go on an adventure christopher robin and his friends go on an adventure looking for the north pole and then piglet falls in a river and is being oh no it might be piglet or it might be rue one of the two smaller animals uh-huh. falls into a river and Pooh, without thinking grabs a stick and then pulls it out and then christopher robin is there it is the north pole what Wait, wait. Oh, no, no. He doesn't, like, discover the location. He literally pulls a pole out of the ground, and it's the North Pole. That's right. That's the North Pole. 
Which this is, sounds you silly know, and kind of and kind of fun. Yeah, I kind of yeah, like the magic is, of it. It is silly and fun, and but a lot of people. That's why a lot of people have had problems with the stories. Is that there is no deeper meaning behind any of these stories? Oh, really? There's all. no. There's this no not a, proselytizing or anything. No, it's not like a Bernstein Bear situation where you're reading about no, a dentist no, and no, then no. all of a sudden a whole page is about Jesus and Mark. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Nothing like that. This is literally just stories about a, a young boy and his stuffed friend and the s- adventures that they go on. Aww. Dylan, you said that there was it. a shakeup in the Winnie the Pooh world. Um, I know we're going to talk about that in the next one. Yeah. Can you what what's the shake like? Tease me, bro. What's up? What what are we going to be talking about? Well, you've you've already talked about it. The 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 royalties are up on Winnie the Pooh. Okay. So Disney doesn't know what it's going to do with a lot of this. When you say the royalties are up, do you mean the copyright is up? The copyright, yes, sorry, the copyright is up in the US and also in about two years, it's going to be up in the UK as well, which is a bigger thing because the UK has more progressive ways about how they're going to use the Winnie the Pooh thing. I mean, I've heard kind of mention it again, but I've heard rumors already of like adult films that are ready to be filmed and that you think that this stuff would already exist and it's not like i mean we gotta be worried about the kids but it's not like anyone's watching this around their families right you would hope not is it all about just keeping up appearances i think it might be because it's also it's such a beloved trademark it's such a beloved character in the uk we always we have a good we have a good rhythm when in private conversation we do yeah which is why we thought that we could you know do this do we still think that? How are we doing? I think we're doing. <laughs> How great. confident are you feeling in your ability to parent, work, and podcast in your spare time while directing projects, Dylan? How do you do it all? How do you do it all? Because I, I like, I'm barely getting through my dishes, and um, I don't know how you're doing it, honestly, right now. There was a big sale on weed that helped. That's the end of my part one. We want to say thank you to our kids, Mal and Rebel. We want to thank our wives, Amy and Michelle. We want to thank Kevin Alves and Big Talk Podcasts. And we want to thank Jason Moody for our theme song. Come back and catch us next time on... Blah, blah, blah. Big talk.